This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the preview podcast on the Blood Red channel. Now, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, what we do is pick up the phone to a fan of or a reporter that covers Liverpool's next opponents, which this weekend happens to be Bournemouth. The Cherries have never won at Anfield and they will arrive on Merseyside on the back of eight straight away defeats in the Premier League. But they do have current and former Liverpool players in their squad who will no doubt be fired up and they do have it in them to pull off a shock. They proved that again recently when they beat Chelsea 4-0 at the Vitality Stadium, but it's another thing altogether coming and getting the better of a Liverpool side who, let's remember, will go back to the top with victory this afternoon and who have not lost at home in the Premier League since April 2017. So, to get the lowdown on Bournemouth, how Dominic Solanke and Nathaniel Klein are getting on, just how good David Brooks is, and the job Eddie Howe is doing, I spoke to Jason Lewis of the Bournemouth Echo. That's up first before we get the latest from our Liverpool FC correspondent James Pearce following Jurgen Klopp's press conference on Friday afternoon. Thanks for joining me and we'll be back after the match with the post-game podcast the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo well hi jason thank you very much for giving us an insight into bournemouth ahead of their trip to anfield on saturday you okay mate yeah i'm good thanks pleasure to be uh, on and uh, chatting all things cherries yeah brilliant stuff mate uh, we talk about the cherries then the 10th the in the table i think that's five points off a possible european place so what kind of mood and form will they be traveling to to merseyside in it's a bit of a funny one, really, because if you'd asked me this question seven days ago after um, such a good result against Chelsea, it would have uh, been all positive and it would probably been the hardest we've been all season. But they got followed up with that disappointing game at Cardiff last Saturday. And um, it's been sort of a mixed week. And when you're looking to try and bounce back, I think going to Anfield is probably no. <laughs> would be at, the, at the bottom of your list of teams to be looking to play. Um, but overall, we're looking at the whole season. I don't think fans can complain it's the 10th in the table there's been a lot of exciting games a lot of good performances plenty of goals and there's a real sense of optimism about the sort of group that's being developed at the club now that um, it's one that hopefully can hang around for a long time and sort of really kick on in the Premier League that result against Chelsea 4-0 it was such a not a, sh- a shock because not many teams do that to Chelsea but in a way was it a surprise was it a shock because you know big clubs can go to the Vitality Stadium and lose nowadays does it kind of just show how comfortable Bournemouth are in the Premier League nowadays uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one because we sort of always had at Bournemouth there's been that one or two results each year that's been stand out so we had the game against Liverpool um, at the Vitality Stadium um, we had one against Arsenal we had United and now Chelsea have faced it as well and it's, um, it was more the manner of it really that stood out for me because the first half was all Chelsea and had a lot of the ball but second half it seemed like the team made a few adjustments and the, the deadliness of the counter-attack was, was frightening to see and it was really the manner of to win 4-0 when we and the ball have got results against the big team it's been by the old goal and it's been maybe a bit of fortune but 4-0 and then the team news when we there was no Callum Wilson in the side and there was a, concerns that it was sort of damage limitation mm-hmm. and then to come for that performance it was, it was a real marker and it, it was the home form's been good this season, but that that took it to a new level, I think, for for Eddie Howe on the side. Yeah, and then you kind of what you mentioned earlier, a week later, from the highs to to the lows, were a disappointing afternoon at Cardiff in terms of results. And I was looking at the away form I, again. I couldn't believe how how bad it's been for Bournemouth lately. I think it's eight eight defeats in a in a row on the road. What's happening there? Why such a disparity between what's going on at home and then on the road? I don't think it really dawned on anyone until the game last weekend how bad it had been. It there's been obviously the difficult trips in there over Christmas I think it's 
away, Man United away. But there's a few results in there where you look at them on paper and think they are very poor results. The ones that stand out to mind are Newcastle, uh, Wolves was a poor afternoon, and then the one last weekend, which was in a difficult sort of atmosphere environment yeah, with all the, the tragic news of Emiliano Salah and at that time not knowing what, what the final outcome was going to be. But there's the performance once the game started was not up to scratch for me, anyhow, admitted that himself. And it's, it's a tricky one for him to try and find a solution, I think, because it's so opposite to how they've been playing at home and there's no real rhyme or reason to it necessarily it might especially when at home when against Chelsea was so much the counter attack you should think away from home that would transfer quite nicely but it's just not quite clicked and as I say going to Liverpool to try and find it, it it's going to be a difficult ask I think Definitely. Before we get on to the actual match on Saturday itself, just ask you about Dominic Solanke, a player who made the, the move from Liverpool to Bournemouth in January. Yeah, he made his debut at Cardiff last weekend. What were the thoughts on how he did? It's it always difficult to come to a game where perhaps the team around you aren't at your best, yeah. I think. And um, from what I saw, I was impressed with the few touches he had. His, his movement looked sharp. He, he looked willing and keen to get on the ball as much as possible. And he didn't really get presented with many opportunities. And it's a strange one with Dolly because there's not been an awful lot of necessarily excitement from fans about the signing which which did surprise me because it's an England under 21 international he's come through the ranks of Chelsea and he's just not quite that luck or a run in the team and it's a real opportunity for him now I think to try and force his way into the team which will be difficult but he'll be wanting to do that with Callum Wilson and Joshua King also in the squad but it's an opportunity for him to get runs in the Premier League and, and, and prove what he's worth so I think in the long run for both teams it should both sides so he'd like the player and the club it, it could go really well but he's going to have to try and prove himself but I, I think I'm excited about seeing him play and looking forward to seeing what he can deliver in the long term Definitely, I think he was just unfortunate at Anfield given when you've got Salah, Firmino and uh, Mane in front of you I think any young striker is going to struggle but yeah, absolutely. hopefully for his sake it works out at Bournemouth and maybe as you say there there's an opportunity with Wilson out injured do you think there's a chance he could start at Anfield? I, I wouldn't be surprised given the, the injuries they're about it's obviously uh, anyhow it went with uh, Solanke and King last weekend but maybe he's going to switch to I mean, just one striker so it'll be a case of wait and see um, I wouldn't put it past him at all and it would be uh, quite a nice moment if he could get his first goal for the club at Anfield but we'll have to sort of wait and see on that front it, it, and he obviously always keeps his cards very close yeah. to his chest even like before last week he was saying Dominic was Available, but still a little bit off full match fitness. I think he came off after 60 minutes, but with another week's training, there's, I think if he started last week and this, there's been any problems, every chance he could, could start again. And it'd be uh, interesting to see how he copes uh, in that cop atmosphere because obviously he did play an awful lot of start many games for Anfield, but I'm sure he'll want to um, impress in front of his former club. I'm sure he will. Nathaniel Klein won't be playing, I imagine, because he's ineligible because he's, he made the move on loan from Liverpool to Bournemouth. But how's he been getting on in his first three or four games for, for the Cherries? been absolutely superb to be honest from the flip side where I've been saying that there's not been much necessarily overall excitement about Solanke the fans have been raving about Nathaniel Klein and I think it's quite cute to bring a player of of that calibre and even if just on loan because right back and full back where there's been Francis picked up an injury and left back's been a bit problematic at times this year for him he just slotted in I think the day after he signed he played in the Brighton FA Cup defeat and was one of the standout players he then played against Everton he's played every minute since and just looks so assured and the ball he set up for the for Stanislas for the third goal against Chelsea was probably one of the best bits of play I've seen from a fullback in a Bournemouth shirt in my time following the club so it, he's really impressed and I think a lot of fans would 
like to take him permanently and it'll uh, be a, a difficult thing to try and achieve I believe in the summer and uh, obviously you've seen this week Liverpool themselves having a bit of a right back crisis yeah, and it's definitely. how these things can go really it's, like, it's unfortunate I think for Jurgen Klopp because when he had Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joe Gomez and he had options at right back it, it just didn't look like time was going to get a game and he was quite generous and sent him out on loan and it's sort of backfired at the moment but very much the Bournemouth game yeah, but you say that hopefully something could possibly be done in the summer. It may be difficult depending on his his wages, how much Liverpool want for him. But the the lines of communication are definitely open between the clubs. This uh, Jordan I, Brad Smith, also in recent years, there seems to be a good relationship between the two. Yeah, I'm not not sure too much how that sort of came about, but it seems to be a bit of a go you know, for and always in one direction. Like, which, uh, <laughs> things can swiftly change. And obviously, players are impressive for Bournemouth, but yeah. um, it, it's interesting. Some players have very much it's sort of been a bit hit and miss because Brad Smith had a lot of opportunities and Jordan I was a frustrating one for a lot of supporters I think because he's he's had flashes in games so I believe Chelsea last year was very good and he sort of, when he gets given an opportunity just perhaps doesn't quite take it and, it's, and he's been had to fill in that sort of a more sort of wing back role which would be his natural role at times it's been difficult for him to nail down a spot in the team but you know, it's funny how these things happen with teams just sort of pairing up effectively um, I remember obviously Swampton to Liverpool going the other way it was a, yeah. a prominent one for a long time and um, these things do just crop up in football maybe it's just a, a phasey thing or maybe there is a, a link there that will be established over a long time um, we'll have to sort of wait and see on that one Talk about players going the other way. Imagine over the coming months and years, if David Brooks continues to play the way he is, you know he'll, he'll get linked with people like Liverpool. I know he's already been linked with with Tottenham and United. Is, is he as good as he sounds? Anyway, does it sound like the the top sides have missed, missed a bit of a trick and not gaining themselves from Sheffield United? I, I think they have, but it's a difficult one. In terms of David Brooks' performances, it's very hard to find the right superlatives to describe wow. him. Wow. For a player that never played a league ninety minutes at any level before coming to Bournemouth you thought maybe it was one for the future but he, he came in on the first day against Cardiff and showed he was up to the physicality of the league and he's just kicked on and got better and better and some of the stuff he does when he's on the ball and you, you see the players talking about it in interviews and he really I believe will has the opportunity to go to the, the very top and I think Eddie Howe said previously that it was mainly his glandular fever that he suffered at Sheffield United that meant that Bournemouth perhaps got the edge and everyone else because other teams weren't quite sure whether to take the punt on him after yeah. the illness because glandular fever can have a, a massive knock on for some people but it hasn't affected him at all and he seems very capable of this level unfortunately he picked up the injury against Chelsea and what sounds like I'm not too sure on the details but his reference to he noticed it or picked up while the celebrations were going yeah. on after his goal so we're not too sure about that one but it looks like he's going to miss out unfortunately um, going from what Eddie Howe said this morning in his press conference so um, which will be a a shame but hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later and um, obviously also impressed for Wales in November and October in the Nations League so uh, a real talent and one that for as long as he's at Vitality Stadium I'm sure the fans are going to be delighted to see him uh, wearing the red and black definitely real blow if he and Callum Wilson miss out but I think you alluded to earlier mate this they are two of a number of young players there now when you're throwing Cook and Ake, a player who I'm really impressed with whenever I'm seeing. You've mentioned Fraser. This seems to be like a good age. It seems like Eddie Howes is really building the next generation, the next kind of Bournemouth team for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. My colleague Dan Rose did a column on this actually uh, this week. Um, all of the January uh, January signings, other than obviously with the permanent signing um, of Solanke and Mepham and Brooks from the summer... Um, all born in 1997 which um, makes me feel old all 99 <laughs> myself made me feel a little bit old um, but also 
it shows there is that investment in youth. And Eddie Howe spoken and said it is the policy that he wants to develop these players. He wants it fits the model with the sort of that he wants to build with the club of sort of very much young British talent, uh, along with. And it, it does just seem to be a nice fit for the club at the moment, and and a sort of tried and tested route. And he seems to have confidence in doing it and developing the young players. I think Chris Mack came out and said that David Brooks had said. Or, Eddie Howard said to him, sorry, that um, if he doesn't improve you as a player, he sort of takes it personally. And I think if you're a young player and a manager stands that to you, it's very difficult to sort of turn a blind eye to that. So, And you see the players are getting opportunities. And I think that's got to be every player that comes through the door talks of, oh, it's the opportunity to work with Eddie Howard. And I think that's such a, a big draw for these these young players. And, and if they can all sort of work together and sort of bounce off each other, it, it, it does have that longevity. And it's just the challenge of keeping hold of them will be the biggest task sort of future transfer windows I think I, know, I mentioned there'll come a day when it might be trouble keeping hold of Eddie Howe because as we were saying before we started to record this conversation my journalism career kind of started in the Chester area, area of the world and back then Bournemouth were in the same division League 2 as, as Chester and one club went one way and Bournemouth have gone this on this incredible ride all the way up to the Premier League it's a remarkable job he's done and doing isn't it Eddie Howe yeah I, I, it's difficult again to try and find the words to describe quite what he's done it's um much talked about a lot at the moment as well because it's um, 10 years since he uh, took over as an issue as caretaker and then got the permanent job I think uh, just around the last couple of weeks it would have been 10 years ago and um, with, a, with a transfer embargo minus points um, <laughs> to, to be here 10, 10 years on and, and see the club playing its fourth season in the Premier League it, you talk about it, people not saying on it you just wouldn't have said it no. 10 years ago it just wouldn't have crossed your mind you just like, why are you saying stupid things like that for? And it's the manner he's gone about it as well. I know a lot of people thought that he has spent sums of money, but there obviously in the Premier League is a lot of money with the TV rights available. And he's gone about it in a way that there's a clear process to it and kept his philosophy throughout, which is, I think has to be admired above all else. And I think all Bournemouth supporters and people that cover the club and follow the club in the back of their minds know that one day perhaps a bigger job is most certainly going to become calling for him and you'd like to think that if that day comes that he will get sort of a thing and wish well for the future because what he's yeah, done for sure. the club is is incredible from here we talked about sort of the, the survival being so incredible but to just kick on from that and just keep going and going and striving for more never being sort of content always wanting to push the team and the club further it, it has to be admired his uh, status as a Bournemouth legend will only be enhanced or strengthened further if he becomes the first Bournemouth manager, I believe, to ever win at Anfield. With that, uh, can you see it happening? I know Liverpool are shaky at the moment, you know, a couple of draws, but they're still top. Title destiny is still in their own hands. But, you know, does that give Bournemouth a little bit of hope? Uh, I think it can give hope. And you can, I'm sure Eddie Howard studied the, the tapes of the recent teams of caused Liverpool problems extensively to see if he can take anything from that. And, into this game it is a tricky one just uh, going to Anfield you think of the games I think last year's game was a very one-sided affair I think there was another Liverpool goal and it sort of put the game to bed and on the road we spoke about it's been difficult this season um, personally looking into the game I think it would be very difficult for Bournemouth to get his own I don't think many fans would be, be too confident of going there but this group the story of the season and the results seem to just pop out of nowhere with the Chelsea one being prime place in it Strange thing, down with Liverpool, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one because I think the standards they set last year were so high in terms of playing so many teams off the park and scoring a lot of goals. They sit in, in a great position as we start February, 
and perhaps aren't getting all the plaudits they necessarily deserve no, just because people almost expect it and what's impressed me a lot is prior to the recent draws how well they've been able to grind out results when they haven't been playing well because from the outside that's always been perhaps the Achilles heel of a of a Liverpool team I look back on the years when sort of Stephen Jarrett was in the team they played close and you look back at the fixtures and there was home draws against sort of bottom half teams probably cost them the title but up until recently it's been there's been a lot of gut wins by one goal and scrappy affairs and holding on it's just been last week but they, they could be viewed as crucial points when we get to uh, to May so it'll be an interesting one to see it I just think it's going to be a difficult day for Paul I think back at Anfield Klopp's going to have the team very fired up for this one and what a very fast start and Bournemouth are going to have to try and hold on I think and um, early doors and try and weather an early storm and once if they can get through the first half an hour to half time maybe goal this is every opportunity to, to try and kick on in the second half but I think it's, it's crucial to not fall behind early in this game yeah, so it probably leads me to my final question. If I had to ask you for a verdict or a prediction, what do you think you'd go with? I think, uh, not to be too negative as a, as a reporter that comes born, I think it will probably, I can see Liverpool getting back to winning ways. I think there might be a chance for a goal maybe on the counter attack, but I think it probably edging towards sort of a Liverpool 3-1 win. Good stuff, Jason. Well, thank you very much for your time. Really enjoyed listening to you. I'm sure all uh, our listeners to this podcast will too. Enjoy the, uh, the rest of the season, mate. No problem at all. Good luck. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, we've just heard from Jurgen Klopp ahead of Liverpool's return to Premier League action against Bournemouth at Anfield on Saturday. And good news on the injury front. Klopp confirming that Trent Alexander-Arnold, Captain Jordan Henderson and Jeannie Wijnaldum all back in full training uh, and uh, under consideration for the, uh, the game against Eddie Howe's side. Uh, also good news on uh, the timescale on Joe Gomez's return. Of course, the England defender underwent surgery at the start of this week. Um, unfortunately, that broken leg he suffered at Burnley hadn't healed properly, but... Klopp saying that after that procedure, they think that a four to six week absence um, is realistic. So you know the prospect of maybe having Joe Gomez back available in uh, in mid March is is certainly a massive boost for the Reds. Uh, no day in Lovren, he's still out this weekend. So it'll be the Joel Matip, Virgil Van Dijk double act at uh, at centre back. Also, Klopp asked about Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Of course, this week. He was named in Liverpool's uh, Champions League squad for the knockout stages. Klopp confirming that um, you know, he certainly won't be available to play in the last 16 tie home or away against Bayern Munich. But he did say there's a chance that he could feature at the quarter-final stage. And he said certainly he should be available for the semis if Liverpool were to get that far in the competition. Klopp, of course, asked about the title race and uh, certainly played down any talk of the pressure getting to Liverpool after those back-to-back draws. Um, recently against Leicester and West Ham he said he got a message this week saying he said that he thought people think think he needs help at the moment he said but I don't need help and then he pointedly uh, made the uh, made the remark that over the last 10 games City have dropped 12 points Liverpool have only dropped 7 so he, I think he feels as if the perception outside the club that Liverpool are wobbling or, and the team that are feeling the heat in this title race certainly he, he, he says that isn't that isn't the feeling inside the club he, uh, he said he's not nervous He's, he remains calm and his belief in this squad um, over these coming months remains very, very strong. So uh, full of respect for the job that Eddie Howe's done down at Bournemouth. Um, of course, Liverpool will be reunited with a, a familiar face in Dominic Solanke. He may well be leading the line for the Cherries at Anfield on Saturday. Klopp talking about him as being a wonderful talent, but he said, uh, you know, we just couldn't offer him the game time and... Uh, 
again, Klopp, you know, he knows that this is a game that Liverpool have to get back to winning ways with. Again, calling on the crowd to get behind them. He said that, uh, you know, the translation from German is he said he wants every fan there to shout their soul onto the pitch on Saturday. Um, you know, the last time out, Anfield was a nervy place for that game against Leicester. Um, he said the players need to lift it, but he also wants the fans to bring their A game to Anfield on Saturday. And the hope is that Liverpool will get the victory they need to restore that three-point lead at the top of the Premier League table. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.